This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, April 29th, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. To whom was Hayek's Constitution of Liberty addressed? It's considered one of Hayek's best works, but it existed within its time and was aimed to deal with some questions raised by many of his contemporaries. Bruce Caldwell is editor of the Collected Works of F.A. Hayek. He spoke at the Cato Institute yesterday. I'm going to talk a little bit today <clears throat> about the, how Hayek came to write the Constitution of Liberty, but I want to uh, uh, first recognize Ronald um, as the editor of this magnificent volume. Uh, I felt that the Collected Works was very fortunate to be able to get someone who was uh, on the scene when Hayek published the book, and indeed uh, Ronald didn't mention, but he, he wrote a, uh, he was the book review editor of the New Individualist Review, and uh, volume one Number one in April 1961 contained his uh, critique of Hayek's uh, views, and uh, Hayek actually wrote a response. And to give you an idea, I mean, Ronald was very modest in his uh, in his uh, portrayal of his own views, but the response that Hayek wrote was the only, to my knowledge, review or response to to something that someone wrote that he published later in in his own. Uh, collections of, of works. It was published in Studies in Philosophy, Politics, and Economics in 1967. So um, I found the exact right person for the job. And, and uh, I will just also, for those of you who know the Constitution of Liberty, uh, the one of the big differences between this volume and the original volume is that instead of having end notes, they're uh, formulated as footnotes. So you can actually just look down at the bottom of the page and see everything that Hayek was saying. And believe me, you could read the, uh, the end notes as a volume in itself in the old edition. Well, now you have that stuff right, right down at the bottom of the page. So it's a magnificent volume, and uh, I thank you for your, your contributions. So it, it's a little hard looking at the archival record uh, to figure out exactly when Hayek decided uh, to write the Constitution of Liberty. Uh, there are a few hints I will mention a few of these and then offer a conjecture as to how he came to write it. Uh, the one hint that we have is a letter to Fritz Machlup in November of 1953 when he says, I'm beginning to have definite plans for that positive compliment to the road to serfdom, which people have so long been asking me to do. So, I mean, the mind reels. Who are the people? Uh, maybe it's people in the Mont Pelerin Society. That's one possibility. Uh, another possibility would be people like Alvin Hansen and John Maynard Keynes, both of whom uh, wrote, uh, Hansen wrote a review uh, in the Atlantic of uh, The Road to Serfdom where he said that Hayek talks about good planning and bad planning but doesn't tell us how to distinguish the two. Uh, Keynes, in his letter, famous letter to Hayek that he wrote uh, on his way to Bretton Woods, uh, said, you admit here and there that it is a question of knowing where to draw the line you agree that the line has to be drawn somewhere and that the logical extreme is not possible, but you give us no guidance whatever about where to draw it. So it may well be that he was responding at least proximate, as a proximate cause to some of these uh, criticisms that said, well, okay, you've, got, you've written a great critique of, of central planning in the road to serfdom, but what is your preferred society? What would be the preferred setup? Um, if that's the proximate cause, I think, though, that this actually is a book that is the logical conclusion of a project that Hayek started as long back as 1937, that he started writing in 1939, but never finished. He called this project the Abuse and Decline of Reason project. It was his war effort. Uh, he worked on it 
diligently uh, through about the middle of the war, and it was to be two volumes. In the first volume, he was going to trace the spread of two ideas that he thought were bad ideas, uh, socialism and scientism, and how they grew up together, moved from uh, France to Germany to England to the United States, obviously taking very different forms in each one of these countries. Each had its own indigenous form, but the enthusiasm for scientific planning of society, the idea of scientism might be called the engineering mentality, the idea that you can engineer, socially engineer society in the same way that engineers design and build bridges, uh, was, was something that was a, a dangerous set of ideas that grew up through time. The second volume in this two-volume work was to show the results of this, uh, of this movement, and this was to be based on uh, the, the sort of ideas that are contained in The Road to Serfdom. About halfway through the war, he said, well, I don't have to write this big, uh, big two-volume book. I'm becoming more concerned about the sort of political uh, uh, setup that we'll be facing uh, after the war is over, so perhaps I should offer my warning in The Road to Serfdom, and, and he worked exclusively on that, never finishing the Abuse of Reason project. However, uh, he did publish uh, bits and pieces of it. One is his famous scientism essay. Another is uh, uh, six chapters from that uh, talking about the French developments uh, in the counter-revolution of science. But most importantly, uh, an essay called Individualism, True and False. Now, this essay was to have been the very opening essay of the Abuse of Reason project. And the reason that I trace back the Constitution of Liberty uh, to individualism, true and false, is that if you read them together, you'll see many of the uh, important themes in the Constitution of Liberty expressed in uh, ind individualism, true and false. Uh, one of the ideas is the profound difference between the Enlightenment as it took place in Scotland versus France. Uh, the Scottish Enlightenment, he thought as embodying individualism true. The French Enlightenment attached particularly to the person of Descartes and the writings of Descartes uh, as individualism false. Uh, the notion of the importance of limiting coercive power of the state to those circumstances in which it is indispensable to reducing coercion by men of other men, people of other people. This is the role of coercion. Is there an individualism true and false? Um, the notion that limits of human knowledge had an implication for the sort of legal rules that you should uh, embrace. Uh, because of the limits of, uh, and the limits of human knowledge obviously being a key idea in the entire Hayekian work, um, uh, that it, it had an implication to use simple rules, general rules, and rules that were perspective in terms of their application. He felt that these would be the best sorts of rules in a world in which knowledge was dispersed and imperfect. Another theme is that most successful societies have institutions in which fallible, ignorant, or evil people can do the, most, the least harm. Uh, and for him, uh, this included uh, democracy, to be sure, but also strong constitutional restraints on the power of uh, the government to interfere in a private sphere of individual activity. The importance, obviously, also of the rule of law. And finally, the tension is mentioned in individualism, true and false, between different sorts of equalities. Equality before the law versus egalitarian calls for distributive justice. And that, in fact, these two uh, are often in tension, or, or, or in fact, necessarily in tension. So how did he come about? So these are some of the ideas that are in individualism, true and false. We know that he started work on this in more uh, with more vigor in the mid-50s. And here is an example, I think, of Hayek's superb grantsmanship. 
Okay? He actually convinced the Guggenheim Foundation uh, to give him a grant so that he and his second wife could duplicate 100 years to the day um, John Stuart Mill's trip across Italy, Greece, and the, and the Mediterranean. Yes, he got that grant. So um, he took this travel, took an extensive travel, but of course he could travel a lot more quickly than John Stuart Mill was able to, so he stopped off in Cairo to give four lectures. And uh, the lectures were ultimately published under the title The Political Ideal of the Rule of Law, and this forms uh, the central chapters uh, in the book of uh, the Constitution of Liberty. When he returned from this trip, he, he said in uh, some interviews uh, in autumn 1955, the plan for the Constitution of Liberty stood clearly before my mind. Uh, from there, he spent a year, uh, there's three sections uh, in the Constitution of Liberty, so he spent a year on each of the three sections and then a final year uh, improving his prose for the entire book. He finished his manuscript, he reports, on May 8th, 1959, which was Hayek's 60th birthday. Uh, it was a happy coincidence, but I guess he was probably aiming to get it done by then. And it was officially published February 9th, 1960. Uh, as Ronald said, it did not uh, receive immediate uh, acclamation. Uh, its its uh, influence, I think, has grown through time. Uh, for those who don't know the book, uh, of course, in per this audience in particular, an interesting chapter is the epilogue, uh, Why I Am Not a Conservative, uh, from all reports, although he never... Uh, it, it said why he wrote this in terms of the people who were on the scene. Uh, this was a, an address that he had given at the 1957 Mont Pelerin meetings, and apparently uh, the object of his attack, uh, he says this part in the epilogue, uh, it's, it was directed against the recent attempt to transport to America the European type of conservatism, which he felt uh, would be alien to the American tradition. And apparently Russell Kirk's book, uh, The Conservative Mind, from Burke to Eliot, uh, was his target for, for this particular chapter. Uh, but always one that uh, when, when someone who doesn't know anything about Hayek and you hand him the book, it, it, it gives them pause uh, to see that title as the epilogue. Uh, Hayek scholars differ as to which of his two grand books that they like best, Constitution of Liberty or Law, Legislation, and Liberty. I must say that in terms of the themes that Hayek addresses in terms of his evolutionary theory and emphasis on rules and orders, one would, this is something that I, I think is extremely important in Hayek's work, but he said a lot of that stuff in articles in the 1960s and early 1970s. And some of those articles, in fact, I think he put some of the ideas even better. Whereas the Constitution of Liberty is something that is, is truly a work that is conceived as uh, an organic whole, and uh, so my vote would be for the Constitution of Liberty, and I'm sure you'll be happy to hear that, but, or maybe not care, but uh, anyway, that's my vote. So I'll, I'll end there. Thank you. Bruce Caldwell is editor of the collected works of F.A. Hayek. You can read more by and about F.A. Hayek at Cato.org.